It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I wouldn't let my children go. Absolutely not if I felt that they weren't safe. Businesses are suffering all over the place. Surely an energy regulator has to look at these price rises and say, are these justified? You take the kids, we'll take the bags. The kindness in her words, do you know what? I felt the tears flow. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coogan's96FM. Do you ever wonder why there's so much focus these days, the last couple of weeks in particular, on unidentified flying objects like balloons and other such things seen in the skies? Well, maybe it's because that's what they want us to talk about. They want us to talk about balloons and they want us to talk about strange things flying in the skies and being shot down out of the sky. And they want us to be thinking about aliens from outer space because they are trying to divert our attention from something else entirely. Who are they and what are they trying to divert our attention from? We'll get to that during the morning, I promise you. Uh, the, 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 The... We've had them on before, the Conspiracy Guys. Gordon has done a seven-hour episode of the Conspiracy Guy podcast on all the various things that we are being diverted to look at at the moment. That's coming up a little bit later on. Beautiful, beautiful morning. The 15th of February. And a date passed the other day, and I noticed it. I said, was it the 12th or the 13th? They couldn't remember whether it was the 12th or the 13th. I remember the story very well though I remember the search very very well and I remember the mystery surrounding the disappearance uh, without trace of a man called Frank McCarthy he was better known as Blackie and here's a, a Facebook post which was written in the last few days uh, 30 years ago 12th of February 1993 it was a Friday evening my brother Frank left our family home in Lotamore to go on a short journey. He never made it there. Myself and my mother were the last people to see him. He asked me to bring home a Valentine's card for his girlfriend on my way from work. I worked in Wilton. And he asked my mum to have his clothes washed for the next day as they were going out for Valentine's. That was the last time anyone ever saw him. And I don't believe to this day that we were the last people to see him. We know someone knows something and someone knows where my brother is. If you have any heart 
or any feelings at all, please come forward and let someone know what you know. If you've seen anything or know something, anything at all, to end my family's pain and torture of not knowing for 30 years what happened to my brother, please let us know so we can bring him home and give him the burial he deserves. It's heartbreaking stuff. No one deserves this. So finally, after 30 years, we can get to tell our story and share my beautiful brother's pictures on Crime Call to show it nationwide. And we might finally reach out to someone. That is posted by Sylvia McCarthy, sister of Blackie. Emer's been in touch with her over the last couple of days and she is in a desperate state, as you can imagine. I mean, what would it be? Can you just imagine your brother walks out the door to go and do a message and you never see him again? Your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. Actually, there's brothers and sisters and moms and dads and cousins and nephews and nieces missing all over Cork. We'll get to that in a little while. But can we focus first of the on, or on the disappearance of Frank Blackie McCarthy? And one man who knows this story very well because he's covered it practically for that entire 30 years is uh, Virgin Media reporter and indeed occasional presenter of this programme, Paul Byrne. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Peter. Um, Blackie McCarthy, we all know the story. We all remember the time, Paul. Fill us in on the details for those who might not remember. Well, first of all, it's quite incredible to believe that it's uh, 30 years since Frank went missing on the 12th of February last Sunday. Absolutely I was startled, to be honest with you, when the guards contact, contacted us to, you know, um, post that um, this was the anniversary and could we please share information on his uh, disappearance. <clears throat> and it's quite frightening to think that 30 years have uh, have passed. Um, Frank Blackie McCarthy lived with his family at Lotamore in Mayfield on the north side of the city um, near Mayfield Shopping Centre. And it was around half past six on that evening that um, apparently he got a phone call and arranged to meet with someone and left in the vicinity of Mayfield Shopping Centre. There is talk that he was going to the Cotton Ball to meet somebody for a drink, but our understanding is that he never got there. And where he is to this day, nobody knows. It's a very, very mysterious puzzle. Somewhere between Um, Lotamore and the little shopping centre there. The, the shopping centre, the cotton ball. He disappeared. Um, that, that's the area where he seems wow. to have disappeared from. But that's not 10 minutes um, walk, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're wow. up the road, you know. Um, so to this day, there has been no sighting, no sound, nothing, no trace whatsoever of Frank Blackie McCarthy. His family have been living a, a living nightmare since his disappearance. Um I know with the passage of time, Gardy will say that, you know, people may have a conscience. And as you read out there a moment ago, somebody does know something. Anytime there's a, myst- a mystery, somebody has the key to unlock that uh, puzzle. So oh, the guards are again appealing for information, as, as, are, as are his family, of course. And I know that a lot of people would be very, very slow maybe to come forward to the guards because they're fear of, they're fearful of what would happen. Mm-hmm. But in cases like this, it's very simple to help the McCarthy family today. If you know anything about the disappearance of Frank, contact 96FM, contact me, contact the local parish priest, leave a note inside in a confession box, leave a note somewhere post something to the guards you know you don't have to come forward and say it but just come 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 and meet somebody or come and just leave something somewhere with that little bit of information that yeah. might help 
the pain that the McCarthy family are going through. It has to be solved. These people are living a nightmare. They go to bed every night thinking of Frank, Blackie McCarthy, where is their loved one? And somebody out there knows the answer. And again, just contact 96FM, contact the priest, leave a note in a, in a, in a church because you, you've got to just imagine what this family is going through. Put mm. yourself in their place. It must be unbearable. Yeah. You and I, Paul, worked the Newsbeat together for many years and you work, you work it right up to this day with, with Virgin Media, Southern Correspondent. Has anyone ever said anything to you over the last 30 years about what might have happened to Frank? People have said things. Um, you take a lot of stuff with a grain of salt, pinch of salt. Uh, guards will tell you they don't um, act on speculation. They act on intelligence. So, you know, there are all sorts of rumours and I'm not going to say anything yes. that anyone has said yes. because that's very upsetting for Similar. the family. I've had half a dozen conversations in or around that general area that we speak of, for people who knew I was working as a reporter for all those years, do you ever wonder what happened to Blackie? And that started many a conversation. But like you, I heard a hundred theories, but never heard a fact. No, and the family don't want to hear these. Um, they've heard them and they don't want to hear them again. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's adding insult to injury. Yeah, they just they want, want to know what happened an to an answer. Him. And that's it. They want they're, closure on They're this. at the point now, Paul, where... They really don't care who comes forward with the information. They just want to know. They want to know where he is. If 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 Frank, God forbid, if he's dead, they'd like to give him a Christian burial. They want closure. They want answers. And they won't rest until they get those answers. Okay. And that file is still open. Like they said, you said the guards approached your office at the weekend to know could Virgin Media do something? And you did. Yeah. There was another... You'll, you'll know, um, Paul... A uh, retired guy, that I know he's a, an echo columnist, uh, Trevor Laffin, and he, from his years of service, would be intimately familiar with that part of the city because he's served for so many years up there. And I, do, I know Trevor. Trevor was writing in the Echo this week and he mentioned Blackie. He mentioned the 30 years. But he also went on to talk about another story that younger listeners, Paul, might not remember. But you and I remember it very well. And this was the... It happened actually maybe a year after or in the subsequent years after Frank disappeared. The House of Horrors. What a story. That's right. Yeah, there was a flat on Wellington Terrace and living in that flat was a gentleman by the name of Fred Flannery. And... Also sharing the flat and going there from time to time were a number of people. And they included a gentleman called Cahill O'Brien, who was 23 at the time. He was from County Wexford. And he volunteered, uh, worked as a volunteer with Cork Simon Community when they were based in Lower John Street. Also in and out of the flat at the time was Kevin Ball. He was a new age traveller, age 42, from Wales. And he was a resident um, of the Simon community as well. And he'd also pop in and out of the flat in Wellington Terrace. And there was a gentleman from Mayfield called Dennis Patrick O'Driscoll, Dennis Patch O'Driscoll, and who was familiar and a friend of the flat, Fred Flannery. So he would have been in and out of the flat as well. So on one particular occasion, um, Fred Flannery and Kevin Ball 
got into a very, very heated argument in this flat on Wellington Terrace. And Flannery was beating Kevin Ball with a hammer. And so much so, and horrified, that Cottle O'Brien intervened to try and help break up the fight. But what happened in the meantime is that Fred Flannery killed Kevin Ball there and then, and then killed Cahill O'Brien. And this was also witnessed by Patrick O'Driscoll. So you had two bodies. And my understanding and my information that I've received from people over the years is that Kevin Ball and Cahill O'Brien were then wrapped in a, blank, in, in a carpet and their bodies were disposed of. Where they were disposed of, to this day, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. There has been numerous digs and, and digs in and around the city on numerous locations. Mm. I've spoken to Kevin's dad more than once. Yeah. Kevin, um, no, Cahill's dad, you were Cahill, I beg your pardon. Cahill, beg your yeah. But after their bodies were disposed of, Patrick, or Patrick O'Driscoll, with a few drinks on board, was starting to tell people what he witnessed. Now, a lot of people, you know, didn't believe what he was saying, but he was telling people that he saw Fred Flannery kill Cahill O'Brien and Kevin Ball. So basically what happened then is that Dennis Patrick O'Driscoll had to be taken out of the equation and Fred Flannery murdered Patrick O'Driscoll. Somebody witnessed his body being cut up in the flat in Wellington Terrace. Those remains were taken to a field in Glamour Woods at the back of Vienna Woods Hotel. Now, again, a number of digs were carried out for the remains of Patrick O'Driscoll. And the guards were given information that his body was disposed of and buried at the back of Vienna Woods Hotel. Mm -hmm. They were brought there by the person who had witnessed the body being cut up. The guards went in and they dug, and they didn't find anything. They were told to dig deeper, and they dug a little bit deeper, but they discovered nothing. And the guy said, he's there, the remains are there. Go looking. They called off the dig, there was nothing. They found nothing. I, at one stage, when I was working on 96FM, then uh, I was covering this story all the time. I remember this I story well. I remember this information. Well. Yeah. yeah, I then received information that he had been buried at the back of Vienna Woods. I went there with someone and I was told, walk out 20, 30 feet, whatever the case may be. I did so and I found this area of ground which had been um, dug around and the earth disturbed, yeah. thanks, disturbed. The, the earth was all over the place. And it was definitely signs that somebody had been digging there. And I picked up the clay smelt it, there was this wretched smell, so much so that I, I nearly got sick. It was the smell of death. Then I looked a little bit closer and then there was a makeshift cross, uh, two pieces of wood and a, a, a bit of string. And then there was a sock and there was definitely signs that something had happened here. So we contacted the guards. The guards said no, they had never conducted a dig in this particular location. And 
we said, well, we're going to air on 96FM shortly with this story that we have discovered what we believe to have been a grave and that there had been somebody there. They said, please hold off. The guards arranged detectives met us at Vienna Woods Hotel. They confirmed that they had carried out a dig at this particular location and at the time they didn't discover anything. But my information is that when I found where Patrick Driscoll had been buried, that his body had been dug up and moved just 24 hours before I got there. Subsequently, Fred Flannery was arrested in relation to the murder of Patrick O'Driscoll, even though they didn't have a body. This was circumstantial evidence they were yes, going on. I attended that he went case on trial. in Dublin. Yeah. yeah, he went on trial in Dublin. Uh, Frank Baltimore was his solicitor at the time. And I can't remember how far into the case, but the trial collapsed due to the fact that there was evidence withheld by the Gardaí. Mm-hmm. And the judge dismissed the case. Yes. And he, he, he put, Fred Flannery walked, walked free from the case. And I remember vividly him on television walking down the street with a big smile on his face. He was a free I, I have another memory and of that day, Paul. I was in the court. And I recall his senior counsel, whose name escapes me. I recall his senior counsel taking to his feet... And he was still speaking an hour and a half later. And in the meantime, I'd run out to file a report. And I said to Barry on the phone, I said, he's going to walk. Mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. Well, he did. Yeah. He did. And the judge, because the guards withheld the evidence, um, there was uproar, absolute uproar. But the judge then made an order of a thing called a permanent stay. That's correct. And for listeners who might not know, what that means is, that this man, Fred Flannery, could never again be tried for the murder of Patrick O'Driscoll, even if he went around and admitted so to everybody. A permanent stay. There's one thing, a trial collapsing and the DPP going again to charge the man and a retrial and a retrial, whatever the case would be. But there was this permanent stay. So Flannery could never again be charged with the murder. Uh, Months later, there was a headline on the Echo, Keystone Cops, and the guards who were named in that article subsequently char- uh, made um, a claim against the newspaper and received substantial damages for defamation. And these were the guards who were involved in the prosecution of uh, Fred Flannery at the time. So Flannery was free. And again, a number of months later, the remains of Fred Flannery, or I beg your pardon, the remains of Patrick O'Driscoll were discovered in a holdall at the back of Lotomore House in Mayfield in a little shallow grave. Yes. So he walked free from the court. He went and found the... He went and recovered what was left of the, the body, put it into a holdall, and left it there to be discovered. So this was like, if you want, really, two fingers to the family, two fingers to the state. The only, the only good thing to come of that particular time was that the body, the 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 the, the O'Driscoll family had his remains, which had to be identified through dental records. But Flannery subsequently died by suicide at a house in Carrigaline in two thousand and two, and I remember ringing Jean Bailey, who was um, Patrick O'Driscoll's sister, to tell her the news that he had been found, and she screamed and screamed and screamed. With joy and happiness. I remember meeting her. Flannery had met his maker. 
Now that you tell it, Paul, you know, and you tell it in such wonderful detail, and for people who would be younger are listening to this, and I, I don't wish to be sort of less than anything here, lesser stories have made Netflix documentaries. Yeah, um, I know somebody went to write a book on the story a number of years ago and was frightened off by someone in the underworld. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm going to say on that because, you know, there's some pretty nasty people still around who would have information on the disappearance of the three men. Yeah. And um, that person who was going to write a book did become frightened and said it wasn't worth it. Yeah. It wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. yeah. You know? our, our good friend, our right, mutual friend, I Paul Williams, said, always used to say, I, Paul, he used to say, the criminal family tree has many, many branches. Yeah. I, I mean, for years I've said it that I can't understand how there hasn't been a... There, like, and I know it's, it, 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 as you said, you don't want to belittle it, but there's a movie in this, there's a movie in that, and there's a movie in this case. And there certainly is. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, but it's, look, Carl O'Brien, the man who volunteered, you must remember this, Carl O'Brien, one of the members, um, one of the men who vanished. Carl O'Brien's father would come up to Cork. That's right. Um, at least every weekend over the years, searching the woods in Glenmire and the areas around there for his son's body. And while he was doing that, he had another son who was in Germany at the time. And unfortunately, he lost his life in a motorbike accident. So there was a double blow to a, a grieving family. And Cahill O'Brien's father also travelled to Cork Prison and met with Flan Fred Flannery while he was on uh, remand for the charge with murder and pleaded with Flannery to give up his son's remains and basically Flannery told him where to go. Yeah. Yeah. And to this day, Cahill and Kevin remain missing persons. They are. They're, they're, they're two of many in Cork yeah. who are missing and people still searching for answers. I think there's in excess of a dozen long-term people missing yeah. here in Cork at the moment. I'm going to go into and more detail there, in that in just a second. Families out there just looking for answers. Yeah. I mean, well, Paul, I, you're, I, you're I, a family firmly, man, so I am I. Can you imagine what it must be like? Sorry, sorry go ahead. I, I, I firmly believe we'll never, ever find the remains of um, uh, Kevin Ball and Cahill O'Brien. It's, um, you know, I just, I, I don't believe they'll ever, ever be found. No. And again, but, um, you and I both heard the rumours as to why. Yeah, and I'm not going to go there no. because it's uh, it's hurtful to any family of um, someone who's missing. Exactly. All right. Paul, thank you for that incredibly detailed recollection, not just of the disappearance of Frank Black Thanks. and McCarthy, but of the House of Horrors story. Um, and as Paul said, there are... I thought this morning, looking at it and doing from memory, I got a list of ten. But there were more. And we'll talk more about the missing people. The list of people missing in Cork since 1981. That would be in the last 42 years. I'll go through some of them. And then we'll look into it in more detail next. 
The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel... You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make you make feel only on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. So I'll go through some of the names. I thought of the name of that um, senior counsel. It was annoying me. Uh, Fred Flannery's senior counsel in that case that Paul was describing was a man called Patrick McEntee. I believe he has passed away now. But I do remember vividly being in court because I got word that something was going to happen. Like I got the train up the day before and I reported for the newsroom and then stayed over because, again, I figured something was going to happen. And then Mr. McInerney took to his feet and I, I, I ran out to file my lunchtime update and I said to Barry, I said, he's going to walk. And he did. So that's my memory of the, of the Fred Flannery case. Other names of, of missing people that you will know, you will remember Tina Satchwell, missing since March of 2017. If you're of a certain age or maybe older, and we did cover it here in this program two years ago when it was the 30th anniversary, you'd remember the story, particularly if you're from Formoy and the surrounding area of Sheila and Connor Dwyer, a husband and wife missing without trace since April of 1991. You may remember the story of Pierce Kremen, who missing since October 2000. I think he may have been a tennis coach. I'll check that in a minute. Other names like Stefan Punch and a young woman who went missing in July of 1993 and she will be 30 years missing this summer, just like Frank, Frank McCarthy was 30 years missing the other day. Michelle McCormick will be 30 years missing Come this July. Christy O'Donovan from Cork City Missing Persons Search and Recovery. How many outstanding missing persons cases do we have in Cork, Christy? Good morning. In, in good morning, morning, PJ. How are you, how are you doing? Um, at the moment in time, we have 15 missing persons, unsolved missing persons cases at the moment. And the earliest one that we have on record for Cork is a, a man by the name of Peter Hyde who went missing in March of 1981. He walked out his front door and hasn't been seen, got into his car and hasn't been seen since. Righty. 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 Where did he leave from? Where was he last seen? He left from um, the lower Glenware Road down there where the old Dublin Road used to be just before the Stew Bridge. He left his house, got into his car and no one saw him after that at 7.30 in the morning. Wow. And literally without a trace? Without a trace. No one has ever seen him again. There's never been a report or a sighting, anything. I mentioned the the couple again. I, I covered the 30th anniversary of their disappearance in in April of 2021, and I spoke to a retired guard who'd been involved at the time. The Dwyer couple. That's right, Hannah and Sheila. Yeah, mm. they were last seen on the 30th of April, uh, coming out of the church in Fermoy. And again, disappeared without a trace. Left everything in the house: passports, money, everything, and never seen again. They had a Toyota Caressa there, which would be a very nice car at the time. Pause. So they were missing, never seen again. Mm. Pierce Kremen, the tennis coach comes to mind, was he? 
he was he was a, he was a tennis coach and he went missing uh, the last time he was seen was the 24th of February in 2000 but his car was actually found in 2001 in um, the sea in Robert's Cove I remember that but he wasn't in it they and again for the not, a, not a trace and they found the car not a not trace. trace no not a trace the most okay. recent one that people will remember is Tina Satchwell. I'll come to that in a while. But then a couple of names that I personally had, had forgotten. Stefan Punch. That's 20 years this coming August. That's right. It is, yeah. He'd been missing the 28th of August in 2003. He was 25 years old. He, um, his car was found in County Clare. And it's Glenmore Gal, the station, or, or dealing with that, but his car was found in County Clare. And again, no trace. Yeah. Danny Walsh, another one that I had forgotten. Yeah. Danny was our council worker. He had retired in 2006. And the last time he was seen was 19th of February 2007. Yeah. And he was never seen again. Once it, when The last time he was seen, he was never seen after that. There was actually two so disappearances in 2000. Colin Turner, another case I'd forgotten. That's right. A chap from, yeah, uh, Colin Turner was from during the Skiddy area. Um, he went missing on the 14th of February 2007 and he was last seen in Wynn's Hotel in Dublin and again, never seen again. Not yeah. a trace. Yeah. Donald Carroll. Donald Carroll was from the lock and uh, he went missing in 1988. His car was located in Rosslare. The update that we have because uh, we run the missing web, missing.ie website is that uh, they believe his car had been there for the whole time he was missing. And they believe he could have actually got on the ferry wow. in Rosslea. That's yeah. where they found this car. Some of these people, uh, Christy, are missing from a time when if you wanted to go missing and have nobody find you, you could. In, Absolutely. In Absolutely. modern times, it's more difficult. And I'm drawing to your attention, Tina Satchwell, March 2017. A total mystery. Absolutely, yeah. That's the... That's the, that's the that's probably the most high-profile one we'll say from the point of view of, of, of recent times. Where, as you said in the past, it was if you wanted to go missing, you could go missing pretty easily. You could just you, you could you could get on a ferry or get across the, the English Channel, go to Norway, you could disappear. But in 2017, with the technology that's out there now, you going missing without a trace is, is a lot more difficult. But it can be done, obviously, PJ. You know, but you, you'd want to have a lot of planning gone into it. You know, and she literally did. She literally vanished without trace. Yeah, without trace. Never seen. Remind, go, th- go through the details as they are again, Christy, that you, as you have in front of you. T- the, all the list of the people? No, Tina. Well, Tina, she was she was last seen on the 20th of March, um, in, in leaving her home in, in, in oh, Yall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she's leaving in Yall. I didn't even look, I didn't do a lot of research into Tina's now because that's an ongoing, that, that's a very modern one, so, but, <laughs> um, and she disappeared without trace. Yeah. Never seen again. There's, there, there, of course, the usual thing. There's rumours and stuff. Now there was a couple of big searches done by That's the Gardaí, right. and there was the army were involved there down in Castle Matter two years ago. They had, they had um, reports that there was bones found below at the Castle Matter Woods. So they had searched all of that. They, they sealed it all off forensically and went through the whole lot and discovered that it was from an old graveyard. And yeah. other than that, no trace. They've had a couple of big. There was, there was a, a massive search down in Yall, again run by the Gardaí in fairness to them, and, and they had the Gardaí unit and nothing, not a trace. Yeah. in the areas that they were being directed to they've searched every place and there's absolutely no trace of it yeah. no trace of getting on a ferry no trace of going up over the border nothing Yeah, and and that's the thing about it like in March of 2017 compared to say April of 
1991 or January of 1988. If Donald Carroll, and I just pick his name out of the list, if Donald Carroll or Colin Turner wanted to disappear, it was much easier than when Tina Satchel did. And that that's why that's, I think, such a mystery. And go back to Sheila and Connor Dwyer. I mean, that was 32 years ago. Much easier to disappear yep. than if you wanted to. I want to talk, just take a break, Christy. I want to talk about okay. a breakthrough that you guys had a couple of years ago. And then I want to talk about Michelle McCormick, who is still missing. 0818 96 96 96. Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas, May 19th. So, Christy, the way. Win your way there with Cork's 96 FM. Paradise. It's just the most beautiful sport from home, so thank you so much. Return flights. Five nights in Vegas. Spending money. And tickets to see. Dermot Kennedy. We used to be dead. Listen to Cork's 96 FM weekdays for the hits of Dermot Kennedy. Every time they play, text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Once upon a time, I was something to someone. Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. Stay listening to see him for free. Thank you for the support in this music. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text for WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. I'm talking to Christy Donovan from Cork City Missing Persons Search and Recovery. And we're talking about people missing in Cork over the last 40, 41 or two years. Christy, before I continue with one that you were able to knock off that list or take off that list a couple of years ago, talk to me about the the background to your organisation. When were you set up? Who's involved and why? Well, Costumes and Puzzles set up in 2001. Um, The founding member of Costumes and Puzzles for all of us missing in Cork and believed to have entered the the river and... um, at the, at the time, and it's still the same to this day, obviously statutory bodies like the Gardaí and the Coast Guard are on call all the time, so they search for as long as they could with no result. And um, this man and his, his friends stayed with, stayed on the search and kept searching. And after, I think, four or five months, they recovered his father's remains. And that was, that was the, the staff that he felt that there should be a service for people, that if the people are missing and the, 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 the statutory bodies obviously they're on call services so uh, it was set up that we, we could stay people the volunteers could stay looking long after the statutory bodies have to move on to the next case and the next case and the next case and that's what we do so there's 15 of us at the moment um, we started off with when they started off with three one of them is still there Dini Coyley everyone knows Dini um, <laughs> he's still there since the, since the very first day of it um, and we have 15 now uh, so we're a voluntary organisation, no funding, nothing like that. Um, we were only recently there in the last year. We were in, to, with Michael McGrath and um, Patrick O'Sullivan and with the Porticox help, we were able to uh, find um, a location there on Hardin's Key. Yes, I've seen it. I've passed it. Is, I've seen you sign up on it. Is is that like your base for you guys now? It's a base, yeah. It's a base. We spent, in fairness, to the, in the commercial path, they initially took us in below their... Um, at the very early stages and we stayed there rent free for, for many, many, many years and we'd, we'd be forever thankful to them. But we, it, the, the organisation has grown substantially from its beginnings. We'll say it had to, I suppose, like everything else, it moved to times. And um, 
you know, have, we have four boats, we have four vehicles, there will be 15 volunteers, um, all highly trained. Everything we do is all is all um, all is and um, done from outside. All our courses and stuff, so we're up to date with everything. So, yeah. But um, like I said, wait, it's the last couple of years have been unprecedented. Been unprecedented the amount of yes. callers we've we've gone to the last couple of years. So. And the level of training that you put yourselves through and you've gone from being a volunteer operation with three and I think, yes, you are still a voluntary body, but your level of professionalism has, has come up right up to scratch. And it was during this. I thought this was a fascinating story at the time, because, again, this was a case I covered as a reporter, uh, the disappearance of, of Barry Collin. It was during a training exercise in Crosshaven that you solved that case. Yeah, well, I'm I, I very aware of the families that are involved. You know, Indeed. So I won't go into too much detail, PJ, to be honest. It's not something we, we normally do, but uh, in Barry's case, we had been looking for Barry for, for, for a few years. One of our members knew Barry. He, he used to holiday in Crosshaven quite a lot. They still have a holiday home down there. And he was always on to us about, about Barry and trying to find Barry. So he was always in our mind. So we decided, I'd say six or seven years ago, any piece of new equipment we got, Rather than kind of do tabletop exercises and bring fellas into into the in, into a room and show them how to use it, we would actually take it out and use it in a live situation. So Barry was actually one of the first cases of that that we had. Um, the money was raised uh, through donations from Thermo Fisher, Tesco's, and the donations from the Cork, and we bought a new sonar system. And um, we said we 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 tried Crosshaven. We had been in Crosshaven previously searching for a missing person. Unfortunately, it was located as well, but um, in, in unfortunate circumstances. So we said we'd, we'd go down to Crosshaven, and the morning that we decided to do it, the trawlermen had all left Crosshaven and all the different ports, and they were all up in the city protesting. So there was nobody in Crosshaven. We went down to Hukovni Pier, we put the sonar on the water. Like I said, it was, it was its second outing from the day that we bought it. So three of us went out in the boat there, and then... Um, we drove around Camden and we tuned it in as best we could to, to get the best imaging we could. And we came in around um, by Hugh Coveney Pier and an image appeared on the screen. Um, something that shouldn't have been there, a man-made object for the want of a better word. So we continued what we were doing. We said we'd keep going up the river just to be thorough. We came back down, reviewed the images, got off the boat. We were scratching our heads wondering what it was. Again, we, we, we didn't expect to find, find Barry Collin in, in a million years. Um, so... We went, we went up, I brought the computer home, I ran through the, the telehero home about nine or ten times, and it was getting more and more, and more. I said, this could very possibly be a vehicle. So, again, it, 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 if you saw the images, you'd say it didn't look like a vehicle, but like when, when you're looking at it, because we're looking sonar all the time, um, it just looked, it was just all the place, it shouldn't have been there. And um, we decided to call in our divers, and we went down to Crosshaven, put the divers down into the water, and the diver handed me the number plate. And after that was just um, yeah. Barry, just Barry had been missing since Barry had been missing since two thousand and four. Two thousand and four, possibly yeah. two thousand and four. And like you said, a family yeah, involved and were conscious of their feelings. And but th- thank you for oh, absolutely. Thank absolutely. you for and recalling. They are lovely, lovely, lovely people. Lovely oh, people. My God, you couldn't meet other people. You I, I met them. People. I met one of them socially um, one time, and just just. I yeah. was in Crosshaven and I met one of them. She asked me, could she speak to me? And we had a yeah. chat. Yeah, lovely, 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 lovely people. There's one, Christy, that um, comes up to its 30th anniversary this coming July. It's it's a strange case because there was a court case and there was a, a man charged and then 
that went the way it went. We won't go in there into that. But and I know the family. Um, her mom has passed away now. Michelle McCormick officially still missing. Yeah, yes, that's a very high profile one. I must admit, it's a very high profile one. And um, to be honest, for a lot, like all that we have is information that comes in via our website. We say and what the Gardaí have, have put out. But Michelle was was uh, seen on the twenty July nineteen three in Onehinche in the Calibre Park in Onehinche and has never been seen since. Now I'm aware of the fact that it was a court case and stuff. As you said, we won't go into that. But a very strange one again. Again, PJ doesn't missing off the face of the earth, not a trace. That's right. That's right. Her her sister raised the alarm. Yeah. 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 And that'll be thirty. There, there are other ones. There are other ones out there. There's, there's, there's a chap from Charles on Charles Otis. Because this is in there. He's missing from Matting since two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Okay. And he's possibly in the UK. But he's, he's missing from Matting. There's another chap there from Banshee. We're missing in the twenty ninth of June, two thousand and nine. Brendan McCarthy from Banshee. So there, there I remember that one, now missing. that you bring it to mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of people think there's 15 people missing, officially missing, like it's it's unbelievable, like you said, like back in, you're going back to 2007, with Colin Turner was here, and for Danny, but for, for Tina Sasha going missing in 2017 with all the trace, I think that's the, 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 the head scratcher yeah. of them all, to be honest. Yeah, that's right. It's I mean, if you look at Colin and Turner, and the, is, the last place he was seen was Wynn's Hotel, like... Yeah. I know Wynn's Hotel. I, I used to go to meetings there when I was involved with an organisation years ago. And many's the day of a match, I had a point there. Like, that's surrounded by CCTV. Even it is. then. It is. And no, did, was there ever... Let's look at that one for a sec. Was there ever trace of him leaving the place? We have no information on that. He just has never been seen. The last, his last sighting was Wynn's Hotel. That's as much information as we've ever been able to deal that's amazing. But there, there's over, there's, I think it's 896 people missing in Ireland at the moment. Long term missing. That's a huge number, isn't it? It's yeah. an enormous the national missing persons help, uh, the national missing persons, they're there in Dublin and met a lot of the families there of, the, of Fiorence and his family and, they, and it's just heartbreaking to meet those people, you know. Yes, it they is. They have no answers either, so it's oh. just like we're very aware of the fact that there are families here and it's just so sad, you know. But, um, I'd have been quite friendly with Michelle's sister over the years, yeah. and and her and her mom, her late mom, who passed away a number of years ago, and and the devastation that this does, and we we on a family like just talking to Paul earlier on about Blackie, like you know yeah. his sister and that heartbreaking post on faith. You met these families. Christy. I've met a, we've, we've met a fair few yeah, we have. How can is it possible to imagine how one lives with that going on? To be honest, PJ, I, I don't I don't know how to even function, to be quite honest with It's absolutely horrendous that every day you get out of bed, you're looking at looking at the you're looking out the window, you're you are you are looking at everyone on the street, you, it it has to be the way. You know, you you never stop looking at yeah. You know? So yeah. I d I don't know I don't know how people do it to be honest. Like, but we keep looking anyway, and I'm sure the guys are still looking, and they're, they're, they have set a whole case division there, when they're rechecking a lot of old, old cases there, they come back into an awful lot of them. Mm. So, and, and to be fair to the guards, like yourselves, Christy, once they're put onto a case, they don't give up. The file stays open. Oh, no. Oh, oh no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. They revisit it every few years. Yeah. They revisit every few years. Anything new, anything at all, any kind of a breakthrough, any sightings or anything, they'll investigate that to the, to, to the fullest. All right. Christy, thank you for your time and thank you and your colleagues.
for the incredible work that well, you do. Your website, missing.ie, has lots and lots of detail. Yeah. And I was delighted because I saw that sign on the side of the warehouse-type structure there on the Horgan's Key, and I was wondering, I said, yes. have they actually got a base there? Yes, yeah, you have. have that's indeed, and thanks to you. Thanks that's to you it's fantastic. It's no life yeah. for us. And it's, yeah. people so, can come here. We've had people walking off the street and people that people that we have helped recover over the years. Their families have come in to us and stuff. Just come if the gates are open, people in Mordmouth will never look around where. If we're there, if the gates are open, we're there. And people in Mordmouth will never look. There's no problem whatsoever. So, so just to clarify before I let you go, Chrissy, is it 15 open cases in Cork, yeah? 15. 15 open cases. All right. Okay. Cork. Thanks. Since, 19, since 1981. All right. Thanks very much, Christy O'Donovan from Cork City Missing Persons Search and Recovery. Their website, missing.ie, is fascinating and well worth a look. And the reason we went to so much detail with Christy this morning was where we started with um, Paul Bourne of Virgin Media and their Southern Correspondent and indeed occasional presenter of this programme. 30 years ago this week, Frank Blackie McCarthy went missing. He left his home in Lotomore. He was supposed to meet someone down by the little shopping centre there. You'll know the one down where the Fabingil used to be. There's a supermarket there and an off licence and a chipper. You know, the, you know the place. And then he was supposed to go on to the cotton ball. It's a short walk. Somewhere along that road, Frank vanished. Something happened. Somebody knows what happened. He was only 23. He was 5 feet 10. Dark brown hair, brown eyes. He was wearing navy trackies, green sweater, and a three-quarter length jacket. It was the 12th of February, so he would have been wearing a coat. And his family, his sister, uh, Sylvia, just posted there in the last few days. You cannot get your head around, can you possibly get your head around what a family goes through? Brian says the, the house of horror story, as it became known, very sinister from all angles. Indeed. Indeed, and the reason that one can talk so openly about it now is uh, the fact that Fred Flannery passed away a number of years ago. So, so that allows you to to speak more openly about about the case. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Just a mention of this: Judith was on. She was on the show on the twelfth of December last, talking about her son Christopher. Um, today is International Angel Man. Syndrome Day uh, to raise awareness. City Hall will turn their light blue uh, between 9 and 10 tonight to mark International Angel Man Syndrome. We talked back in December with Judith about that. I'm sure if you search our podcasts, you'll find that uh, because we would have podcasted it on the day. Angel Man Syndrome. Uh, Michael was on to us about the event centre. Mentioned it yesterday. Uh, that it came out at the council on Monday night that the construction of the event centre, the famous event centre, will begin in July, according to Anne Doherty, City Council Chief Executive. And what, what I said was, well, which July? But you know yourself, we'll give them credit where it's due if it actually starts. Uh, Michael then says, some politicians will laud the fact that this famous event centre will finally go ahead in July. These very same politicians should actually be hanging their heads in shame over the long delays in progressing with this. Shame on you all, says Michael. Actually, speaking of politicians, I will dig out the list which was published yesterday of who's going where. They're all going. 
who's mind who's going to be minding the house while while they're I mean is it a cleaner will be minding Leinster House or something because they're all going for St Patrick's Day every single last the Attorney General for the love of God is going the Cowan Corl Jerry Butterer is going to Sierra Leone lads for St Patrick's Day I'll give you the list in a bit more detail in a while Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. On the air in the afternoons, be with me. I'm playing heaps of those Dermot songs to help you get on the plane to Vegas. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm brilliant. Making sure you've got the best soundtrack while you're at work. We actually bought a radio just to listen to you because we were off in the storeroom and we no music. And we share our honest opinions on things like Love Island. Oh, Love Island, stop. No. <laughs> band, band. <laughs> when you've got the radio on, in the afternoon, make sure you're with me here. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Clonagilty Veggie Sausages, a taste you love, made with fresh vegetables. On Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Okay, on NCT, we're going to go into more detail about it. Go back to Anya's query from yesterday and we'll get an expert view. Ed, uh, you wanted to say something about the NCT. Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, listen, yeah, I, um, I my NCT was due for the 22nd of February this year and I went online uh, around the end of January to book it and the earliest date I was getting was August. So I rang them. Yeah. Um, I rang them directly uh, before I booked anything and um, they said, yeah, the next available date is August, so we could put you on a kind of an urgent list for yeah. a cancellation. And I said, yeah, put me on the list. So my test now is the 28th of February. Okay. They came back They came back to you in a few days and if they don't, if they don't get it to you in 30 days, it's free. Like. Yeah. I wonder, has anyone actually got a free test out of that? I know a few people have done that. Yeah. But you kind of wonder, don't you, like why it is necessary it's ridiculous. I was I was reading an article there. No, there's a block on. They want to bring in some Filipino mechanics to work on the centres. And no, they the did that. They did that. Yeah, but there's, there's a block on it. No, the mechanics down there are, are having none of it. Like you know, so like I, I don't know what's going on. Well, there, I was going through that yesterday. What it is is that there was a plan by Atlas, who run the NCT, came up with the idea that look, the test can be split. An awful mm-hmm. lot of it, you don't need a whole pile of mechanical knowledge to do. So no. let's siphon that off to another grade I think they called it test assistant or something like that siphon that off to them and then let the mechanic as I said yesterday do the mechanicking so two people are doing it when one was there it might be much faster the test as a whole anyway like there's I mean like they check the lights granted they have machines to check the lights they plug the car in the car will tell the computer if there's a fault there or if there's any modifications made the only thing they really need to be looking at is the suspension side of things. Like, and right. you know, you'll see worn bushings, you'll see bleeding shocks. Yeah, you'll but see these you, you would like, need you know? mechanical knowledge to look expertly at I, those, I suppose. I, look, I, I, I don't want to be taken away from anybody's job. Like, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, like for the most part, the machinery down there will tell you what's going on. Like, you know what I mean? So, but if you have to go back, as you do yeah. sometimes for the can't see your seatbelt, I mean, how stupid is that? But if you have to go back yeah. for you can't see this, you don't need a mechanic. 
to look for the seatbelt. No. And, and, and those kind of simple things is what the Apple's people were saying they wanted to, if you, if you like, siphon off to yeah. an, a yeah. different grade. And the Labour Court even said, OK, let's give it a go. And SIP2 voted against it. So it's, it's not going to happen. That's where this whole conversation started yesterday. <laughs> but you've, you, you, you phoned them and you got an appointment here yeah, in a few weeks. I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, rather, rather than book it online, if you, go on, if you go and book it online and you're given, like, six or seven months, like, just give them a ring and they'll have to, they'll have to furnish you. Like, uh, and, and, like, as I said, I had mine within the 30 days, so it's going to cost me. Like, and I think that's, 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 it's going to hit them in the pocket they get you in there. They will do everything they can to get you in there. It's true, but it's a crazy situation that you actually have to do it that way. Ed, thank you. Uh, Simon Murdoch was on to us there just to say that the Elysian Albert Key area is like a car park. Nobody knows what's going on down there right now, but Simon's trying to get through it and he's a frustrated boy and he rang us to, to have a little rant. Um, about it. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. He's with you at 12. 0818 96. He will get here, don't worry, in time for 12. 0818 96 96 96. Now, it was the SIP2 story and the staffing story that I raised yesterday on the programme. Um, I couldn't, I can't understand why it's a problem and no one's been able to explain to me why it is yet for SIP2 but that's a, that's a, by the way. It prompted a call from Anya, who similarly is looking for an appointment to have her car NCT'd. When is the test, Anya? The test is in the 20th of August. When is it due? Oh, the test was due in January. Due in January? Due on the 20th of January. Okay, when did they take the money, Anya? Uh, the day I booked the test. <laughs> you see? Yeah. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. And I'm worried driving the car if my insurance is safe without the NCT test. Now, my car is perfectly safe. I know that. Yeah. But, you know. That's actually a very good question. I know that the guards um, are kind of, they're not being instructed to, but if you have proof of your appointment (laughs) and you carry it in your glove compartment or something and you're stopped by a guard and you can show that you got your appointment or look for your appointment in good time, then then they won't make trouble for you. Yeah, but, yeah. But then the other side of it is we don't quite know, because during COVID, I know the insurance companies overlooked the fact that you mightn't have a valid NCT because sure, the place was closed for months on end. Yeah. But now, we, it's a very good point. If you don't have your NCT up to date, and if you have a little tip, is your insurance valid? Yeah, that's what I would worry about. Let's get a view. Will I go to Mary first? Or I'll go to, or will I go to Paul first? I'll go to Paul. Paul Kavanagh, a good friend of the show from McCarthy Insurance. If anybody knows about this, Paul will know. Paul, if my NCT is out of date and I can only get an appointment in August, am I covered by insurance if I have a tip? Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. In, 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 in speaking in general terms, which I usually don't, the answer is yes. However, there's a couple of things attached to this. And especially for Anya there, she says her car is in good condition. Irrespective of the NCT, it is a condition of your insurance contract. And I'm stating those two words, condition and contract, because that's what it is, that you keep your vehicle in a roadworthy condition. 
Mm. Okay, so that's your tires, your brakes, your steering, all those things uh, that were mentioned a, m- a moment ago. So my advice is that uh, if your test is not due until August, that you would get your garage to assess your vehicle and make sure everything is in order. I would also say you must book your test, and you mentioned on Garda Shikana there, uh, what they actually say themselves in their statement is that they will take this into consideration. Mm. Okay, so what that really means is, that you must be able to show that you have booked the test. And I'm advising our clients to book the test, copy it, and put it up or put it up on the dash where the guardie can actually see it. Because you could have the car parked inside in town and uh, a guardie can do you for having no NCT if you have nothing up in your dash. And I've seen a number of them. Uh, I kind of have a bad habit, PJ, of yeah. looking at car windshields, would you believe? And <laughs> uh, it's amazing what you is see. The, is that a penalty thing. point offence now, Paul? It's, a, it's three p- penalty points rising to five in court. For having no NCT? For having no NCT. So I would say book it. And actually, uh, your last caller gave great advice there. My own daughter did it. Ring the hotline and try and get a test. Get get on a list. You get on an urgent list. And if somebody fails to show or whatever, or they know somebody can't make it tomorrow for whatever, they could have COVID, they could be sick or whatever, then you will get the call to say, can you bring your car in tomorrow? Isn't it a crazy situation that we have to do that? It absolutely is, and I listened to the whole SIP2 debate and everything like that. It's, it's it's crazy. We need to move things on, and I think the government could actually intervene here and, and maybe push out the number of years, um, you know, that, that it needs to be done. It's it's one year after uh, when your vehicle is 10 years old, but l- less than that, uh, where, where in when your car is four years old, maybe they could shove that out to five and get rid of a year's backlog. Yeah, yeah. Simple little things need to be looked at here, but it is. Now, I, I listened as well to, to the people from the NCT, and they're saying that they'll have it cleared by June. I can't really see it because we're, we're coming across it every single day, and what we're, we're just giving out the advice that I gave, which is to book it, and no matter what the date is, book it anyway, uh, and, and put it up in the dash. And mm. look, as it is a condition of your policy, if you've got ball tires or bed brakes or steering, uh, and a lot of people go to the test like that, which is that was the old way of doing yeah. it. I go and fail that. and fix and go back. Yeah. And the other thing that they're giving out about is the amount of no shows. So people are booking it and then not showing up. That's ridiculous altogether. And then that that's just a crazy because you've lost fifty five quid not going. showing up anyway. That's not. It's nonsense. And the other one, other thing that I came across, PJ, for your listeners, is that I heard of people being turned away because they didn't bring their license with them. Now I got a text from one of these uh, people who said that to me, and there was no mention of bringing your license on the text that they got uh, from the NCT. Mm. They arrived, no license, no test. Is it not on the website? It may be on the website, but it's not on the... Why would they not put that vital piece of information point. on the text that they send you, saying we want to see you at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning down in Little Island, bring your licence. Uh, and can anyone explain to me, Paul, we're going off the topic a small bit, why and the, the head of a safety belt that can't be seen, that they, that they fail you for it like? Yeah, no, there, there, are, there are a list of, of what I would call minute things that I, I don't even think should be on it. Yeah. But look, I mean, it is what it is. It is. Um, I, I, wasn't, I, 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 I think a lot I of people will be shocked. Is, Sorry, Paul. A, a lot of people will be shocked to know 
that it's now a penalty point offence. Oh yeah, it is a penalty point. Yeah, three penalty points on the spot, and your car can be impounded. Yeah. If the if on Garda Shikana believes, for example, if you pull up at a checkpoint and your tax is out and you've no NCT and you've no proof of it, your car will be impounded. That's yeah. that's what the law says. And and I think going back to where we started with this, as an insurance professional who does this for a living and knows the inside out and outs of it better than most of us put together, Paul, you wouldn't like to be trying to negotiate with a difficult underwriter if someone had had a tip and their NCT was out. Is that what I'm hearing in your voice? That's what you're hearing in my voice. That's what I do every day of the week. We have a team of people in McCarthy Insurance Group and we're fighting claims every day of the week and we will fight it to the tooth of the law. But if we haven't the backup, if the person hasn't the NCT, if the, I've come across ball, tyres, steering, it's amazing what you come across. You know, I was going to get it done, but I didn't have the time. I didn't have the money. The, the, the law is quite clear. If your vehicle is not in a roadworthy condition, it should not be on the road. Yeah. Question no coming what. in. If your NCT is not for due for six months, at what stage can you go on the system and start to book? Uh, I'm I'm hearing that they've cut the, before you could do it, but I'm I'm told now from people obviously that are doing it all the time that that is it's it's getting very close. I think they're saying six weeks. Wow, it's worrying, Paul. It's very worrying. It is very worrying, and I think I think uh, I, I've raised it with a, a number of TDs, and I think it should be raised in the doll yeah. as a matter of urgency. Another one. What date does the NCT year start from? This is a good question. If my NCT was due, for argument's sake, in May, and I happened to get it done in July August. or yeah. August, does it yeah, go August get... to May or August to August? It'll, they'll issue it May to May. The, 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 the expiry date will be May again. That's what I understand. Yeah. And I'm only giving you that now from my experience when we had it during COVID. So it comes up That's as... exactly what happened. Yeah, it comes up as being due, say, May. I managed yeah. to secure myself an appointment for August. I pass in August, but my new NCT will run out in May. Correct. That's the way I read it. Wow. That's nuts. That's, that's, that's utterly nuts. Paul, thank you. As always, for your contribution, Paul Cavanagh of McCarthy's Insurance. It's what he does for a living. He negotiates with underwriters and insurance companies. So there are people going around now with no NCT, through no fault of their own. And life could get difficult if they have a little tip. That's, that's unfortunate. Uh, Mary, good morning. Hello, um, Peter. Listen, I'm just wondering why they aren't using robotics or cameras or something like that to do this kind of the underneath, you know, the suspension part. Mm, Like, it's a no-brainer. It could be done remotely from anywhere. Like, you could have a team of people, you know, like, obviously the computers can be triggered to pick up things that need to be looked at closely, and they could be looked at in Timbuktu. That's true. It's true. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, look at the English system as well. I think if you go to a proper garage or something there, like they have garages that can issue, you know, it's just... I had a man on from Skibbereen, I think, before Christmas, an English chap, and he was trying to get his van NCT'd, and the best he could do was July, and and he couldn't believe it. And I said, what would happen in the UK? He said, in the UK... I'd go down to my local garage, 
And they'd have it done yep. next Saturday. Yeah, exactly. You know, but something has to give, like, kind of thing. These, like, again, you know, outsourcing, it sounds fine, but, like, you know, there's a difference between running something because, you know, it is obviously very safe to have cars NCT'd and have them on the, you know, proper cars on the road, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's in all our interest to have these kind of safety yeah. mechanisms, but if you're then outsourcing it to people who are doing it for profit rather than for the benefit of... Yeah. Road users, it's it's a completely different ball game. You know what I mean? Were, they? were you aware, Mary? Lastly, were you aware? Because it's a bit of a shock to me this morning. Were you aware that you, there's now penalty points on offer, as they say, for not having an NCT? I wasn't. One would hope that the guard, like as I say, like kind of thing. I think everybody who has been in that position is just hoping that they meet the right guard at the right time, like kind of thing. You know what I mean? And. And have, as you tried, at least, and got a date for an NCT, even if it is yeah. young from the future, print, you know. Print it and have it in the car with you. Yeah. yeah, but like that's, and that's even a problem now, like kind of thing, insofar as, you know, how there's fewer and fewer of us have access to printers and we're producing screenshots on it's phones true. and it's doing all true. sorts of things, you know what I mean? It's, it's true. It's, it's, it's just bananas you know what I mean there's ways and means as I said if you're if you needed it yourself they're not going to have somebody manually checking you like you know what I mean they put you under a machine yourself like I know what you're getting at Mary thank you 0818969696 Michelle mine was up in January when you went to book I'm going to get it in two weeks now good for you Michelle good for you Kate, I think there should be some way to combine a service and repair with the inspection, whether it be conducted by the repairing mechanic or if it involves some other inspector. I think it would be more convenient and would perhaps cut back on fails and retests. Ger makes the point when it comes to insurance. With some insurance policies, your roadside assist is also invalid if you don't have an up-to-date NCT. That's a good point, Ger. A lot of insurance policies, and the one I have on, on my little car... Uh, that has roadside assist, and if the car goes poop in the middle of nowhere, you can ring a number, and they'll come out to you, and they'll do their best to get it going, and if they can get it going, well and good, and if, the, if not, they'll, they'll, they'll help you as best they can, and that's covered under your insurance. Uh, quite a number of call I think you have a certain number of them per year, those call-outs, which is very handy if you're driving an old car, or a troublesome car. Ger reckons that that particular service is not available if you don't have an up-to-date NCT. Join the conversation! Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM That's going to be a hell of a gig on June 18th. Another humdinger from Peter Aiken. Another humdinger that we're going to send you to is the one in Las Vegas on the 19th of... May, and you're listening out for this. It's coming very, very shortly. Very shortly. That's our song of the day with Dermot Kennedy sending you to see him in Vegas. We'll fly you there, we'll fly you back too, and we'll give you money, and we'll put you up nice. And we- Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We'll give you two tickets for the gig. And hopefully we'll have someone else qualify for the final of that between now and... 11 o'clock, I think. Yes. So, over the last couple of weeks, there has been a lot of talk about... Strange things flying in the skies. Balloons. UFOs. What's going on? What's up there? What are we looking at? Are they from another planet? Could they be from another planet? So much so, it actually came up. I was watching this and I goes, I don't, I don't believe this actually just came up at a White House press briefing. One last thing before I turn it over to the Admiral, I just wanted to make sure we address this from the White House. I know there have been questions and, and concerns about this, but there is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Again, there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Wanted to make sure that the American people knew that, all of you knew that, uh, and it was important for us to say that from here because we've been hearing a lot about it. Um, I, I, I'm not. I, I wonder if the American people were I, I just, actually. You know, I love ET the movie, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. Right. So she, that's that's um, Karine Jean Pierre Allen, the press secretary at the White House, and she then handed over to General Glenn Van Herk. I hope I've got his name right. Because you still haven't been able to tell us what these things are that we are shooting out of the sky. Uh, that raises the question, um, have you ruled out aliens or extraterrestrials? And if so, why? Because that is what everyone is asking us right now. And thanks for the question, Helene. I'll, I'll let the intel community and the uh, counterintelligence community figure that out. I haven't ruled out anything uh, at this point. We continue to assess uh, every threat or potential threat unknown that approaches North America uh, with an attempt to identify it. He's a head of NORAD and U.S. Northern Command answering a question about aliens in the sky. Could there be? Are there? Is that what we're shooting down? Later on, I'll talk about whether we're being told that that's what we need to focus on so something else can be hidden. That's that's to come up with a way. Ross Brown and myself often talk about this at nine o'clock in the morning. Do you think, Ross, we're on our own? 
in the in the universe. Well, um, hold on, hold on, ring you up there. Go on. I, you know there is a there is a very strong argument that it's weighing in the plane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm I'm always of the kind of opinion of. Uh, I think it's interesting, and I hope that there is because it's pretty boring if we're the only thing around the place. To me, it doesn't make logical sense. It makes no. It's 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 actually scientifically and statistically impossible that we're the only life. Now, whether we're the only carbon life or life as we know it, there could be things that are just electromagnetic signals. There could be things that are non-carbon based life form, whatever. But to think that out of the infinite realm of the universe that we are the only thing on this speck of minuscule dust floating through the space is is just it's ridiculous. The great science fiction writer, the man behind Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, he came up with the term when he was writing the script and writing the story that Earth is a Class M planet. Mm-hmm. A, a planet that would support life like ours. Sentient life like yeah. ours. Right? They call it the Goldilocks zone. Yeah. yeah. It seems to me, and he, and he wrote down the planet that can support, it seems to me impossible that we are the only one. Ridiculous to even consider we're the only ones. Yeah, well, the space is infinite, and look how many stars. It, like every time you look up at a star, you're kind of going, "Oh, there is a solar system around that." Like mm. there are planets around that, and there's planets that are in the Goldilocks zone. And that's, by the way, that's a very narrow way of looking at it because that's going. There's it, that planet is able to support life. What we're saying there is there's that's a planet that's able to support our life. Yeah. Again, with our you know, biological makeup and all that kind of stuff and the things that we need. There's obviously more infinite amounts of stuff out there that could be supported in any number of different uh, Mm. scenarios. But since June 2021, uh, uh, Joe Biden's administration have held daily UFO, well, they don't call them UFOs anymore, they call them UAPs, which is Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Um, And uh, they've been holding daily briefings with intelligent agencies since June 2017. Since that TikTok, sorry, TikTok, since that TikTok video came out, yeah. uh, Lieutenant David Fravor, uh, since that came out, and the Gimbal one as well, they were all redacted and released, and New York Times wrote an article on it. Since then, that's when they've had to kind of really take a, a an active and public stance on it, saying, no, we are watching the skies, and we are reporting on these things. We are observing you. Are they coming? To, I wonder, are they coming to visit us? I mean, like, if you think about this, right? If you... If you were something that was either birthed or or originated from another galaxy and you've come from a civilization that is, it could be millions, billions, hundreds of thousands or even hundreds of years more advanced than us. Look at how our technology is exponentially getting more and more advanced. In a thousand years, what could we achieve? That could be what whatever these things is, another species that's only a hundred thousand years more advanced or, you know, uh, longer in the tooth than us. And they come here, they travel across galaxies using propulsion systems that we don't understand. They could have gravitational forces that they're able to zip across the universe like that. We All of the UFOs that they've seen so far, all of the um, the uh, Air Force pilots and stuff said that there is no visible signs of propulsion. These things seem to be able to manipulate the space around them and the gravi- gravity around them. If they've come from that far away, do you really think that they're going, oh, Wilton looks lovely, doesn't it? <laughs> like... I, I would imagine if something that advanced is looking down at us, they look at us with the 
same omnipotence that we would look at an ant farm. Yeah. Going like, ah, look at them doing their little jobs. But we're not, a th- I wouldn't think that they'd see us as a threat unless we're shooting them out of our skies. An intelligent life, would they see us as intelligent? Uh, it's getting less and less that way. <laughs> do you know, they're just seeing people at bus stops with their phone balanced on it going, do, do, yeah. do. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, or, or if they are coming to visit, they're sort of saying, did they lose the guidebook? Yeah. Did they lose the oh, instruction listen, book? They're looking at a guy with big, white, wiry hair and a massive moustache, and they're going, that's Albert Einstein. That's the guy that actually created, the, the, you know, who, who understood the, the theory of relativity. Surely that's the most famous fella. It's like, no, it's that one over there. She's got a massive arse, and she went out with a rapper. Like, that's the level that we're at now. <laughs> You're not wrong. So I don't think that they're going to be looking at us with any sort of reverence. I think that they'd be looking at us with, uh, with, with some sort of uh, ambiguity. Now, uh, I would have watched some documentaries uh, and I would kind of be interested not a complete tinfoil hatter mm. you know uh, the earth isn't flat and uh, you know the government aren't covering up everything with Project Blue Beam and all this kind of stuff but I do have a keen interest in UFO stuff I think it's interesting mm. especially the ancient stuff with the Egyptians yeah. and the Aztec like pyramids who, who, who taught them the mats yeah. for Newgrange for our Stonehenge. Well, if you take the, if you take the, 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 the Great Pyramids, right, if you take the Great Pyramids, you take the height of them and multiply it by this specific number, I think it's 3,472 or whatever. It's the actual pole-to-pole measurement of the Earth. And if you take the circumference of the, the Great Pyramid it's and multiply it by the same number, it's the, it's the distance around the equator. So there was something far more advanced going on there. Uh, there's one documentary by a guy called Graham Hancock. It's a TV series on Netflix. It's called uh, Ancient Apocalypse. And he hypothesizes that human beings in a far more advanced race was here way before a mm. great flood and that their their remnants are buried way below what they call the hunger dryas, which is a, a layer of earth that, yeah. that most um, archaeologists won't dig below because they refuse to acknowledge that there was human life before that. Mm-hmm. And he now is starting to disprove all that. And then there's another great one as well, which is totally out there, but fantastic. It's called Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. And it's a guy that worked in a base called S4, yeah. four miles south of Area 51 in the 80s. And he was developing, he was back engineering crashed UFOs. Right. It's his story. And people started to discredit him for years and years and years. This guy made no money off it, always stuck to a story, lived a quiet life with his little experiments. And all of the things that he said back then, when he came out in 1988, have now been proven to be confirmed. He said that they were working on a propulsion element called Element 115, and it never existed. Mm. And then in 2010, they discovered the element. Yeah. So all these things he said years ago are coming to light. It's a very interesting one. But come back to what I said about bats. Mm-hmm. You have Newgrange and yeah. Stonehenge. Yeah. Like, nowadays, you, you mentioned, that nowadays people struggle with their five times tables. Yeah. yeah. And back in Newgrange, when they didn't have calculators, I don't know what they wrote with, mm-hmm. they managed to precisely put that window at the precise time on the precise day. Yeah. Who taught them that? I know, I know. If you look at all the ancient um, uh, hieroglyphics in Egypt and all of the ancient carvings and drawings, look at the Bible itself. I mean, uh, uh, fiery wheels descending from the heavens um, or look at any of the Egyptian stuff. You know, you've got the, the elongated skinny limbs and the big heads and all of the kind of the engineering that they would have done back then. Again, there's two thoughts, there's two schools of thought. Uh, some people think that they went in a different direction with their um, with their technology, that they would have harnessed stuff like sound vibration and all that kind of stuff to move things. Other people would have thought that they were given some sort of blueprint or information. But there's a massive jump as well in human evolution where there was this period where we were 
uh, hominids, and then we we there was a massive jump where our brain um, increased in size by three times. And there's it's the missing link period. Mm. And some people think it was down to the acacia plant or mushrooms that there was some sort of you know awakening psychedelic awakening and that with the advent of fire we started to cook meat got more proteins and then our brain started to develop much faster other people think did was something pushed along by another more advanced right the the things are ridiculous you're madder than that thought you were so much fun to just read and take them for what they are i mean it's essentially it's it's become a religion it's become a modern unofficial religion where people are believing in these things and they're pu- investing their their emotions and their time and their kind of reverence into this thing that they can't see. And if people go, oh, that's, that's Codswallop and go, well, we build buildings to these things all over the place with fonts that you dip your finger into. It's the same thing. It's a more modern version, I think. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, I, I, I pinch of salt with all of it. Uh, yeah. Ross, are you sold out Friday? I'm sold out Friday. Good man. Yeah, I've sold, I sold out many years ago. <laughs> yeah, OnlyFans is coming next, everybody. Get away. I want to see some real alien activity. <laughs> Ross Brown, back on, Ron, on Casey and Ross in the morning tomorrow morning and uh, live at the Opera House on Friday night. Nanu, nanu. Uh, not, 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 to, not talking about aliens. Nanu, nanu. Nanu, nanu yourself. <laughs> boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> What's this? This is from, is it from Phil? PJ, I am so impressed with Ross Brown. He's not half as thick as he comes across, you know. Very knowledgeable on the whole space thing, isn't he? <laughs> Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. Win your way there with Cork's 96 FM. Right, we played the song, It's Power Over Me. And you texted and WhatsApped in, in your huge numbers. Chloe Cunningham, you want to go to see Dermot in Vegas. Morning. Morning. You'd love to go? Oh, I would. I'd love it. Five days... Flights, accommodation, money in the pocket and tickets to see Dermot. Who would you bring if you won? I'd bring my best friend. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can get you into the draw then, okay? Uh, I have a question for you, but I need you to... We have a choice between a Dermot question and a Vegas question. Now, I won't pick the question. The computerised slot machine will pick the question. But would you prefer a Dermot... Or a Vegas? Uh, I'll do a Dermot. You prefer a Dermot? Let's see. Yeah. Oh, it says Vegas. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. But it's an easy one and I'll help you. Because I want right. you to go and I want you to bring your best friend. How many... there? You've heard of the Bellagio Fountains in Las Vegas. They're world famous. They're performing yeah. fountains. They, they dance to the music and they have a light show. Yeah. How many jets are there in the Bellagio Fountains in Las Vegas? No, it's not as hard as it sounds. Are there three, that's A, or are there B, 1,214? It's B. It's B, it is. <laughs> 1,203 jets. Come on, I use, I use more than that to water my grass. <laughs> All right, Chloe, what's the best friend's name? Uh, Amy Nagel. Okay, so Chloe... Yeah. Tell Amy that you qualified for the final at least. Yeah. All right. And maybe Perfect. you might need to check that the passports are in order and all of yeah, that. They are. <laughs> They're all in order just in case. 19th yeah. of May is the concert in Vegas. The draw will be later this month on Cork's 96 FM. And you're in that draw, Chloe Cunningham. Fab. Thank you. Great. Well done. KCN Ross in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On
96 FM. If you sat down and watched a movie in reverse, Ross. Yeah. A heartwarming story about a shark who gives arms and legs back to people. You'd be watching Jaws. Indiana Jones. After chasing a big boulder, an adventurer goes back to teach him past history. <laughs> if you watch Titanic in reverse, what would watch happen? Titanic. A broken ship reverses into an iceberg that fixes it. And a woman puts on her clothes and goes, you will not draw me. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. A volcano spits out a ring and everyone goes back to Kerry. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from Noel DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. So why are we so fascinated by all these things that might or might not be in the sky? Because they want us to be. Because it's all part of a plan. Gordon Rochford of the Those Conspiracy Guys podcast, you've done a seven-hour episode on this, which is available on all your platforms. We've got about eight minutes. Gordon, <laughs> um, this is... Tell me about Project Blue Beam, because if it's going according to plan, we'll be told next week that wreckage has been found and it actually is extraterrestrial. Tell me more. Well, first of all, good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Not too bad, sir. Thanks for having me. Uh, I heard Ross there talking an awful lot of stuff. Uh, That man was smoking the soap bar back in the 90s anyway, for sure. Uh, Calling conspiracy theorists crazy. But he had a a few good points about, um, about aliens and being kind of maybe happy enough to believe it. But, uh, you should have a pinch of salt with all of this kind of stuff. Project Bluebeam was a, a, a kind of a, a theory posited by a Canadian uh, journalist called Serge Manast. And he basically said, like, they're going to fake an alien invasion because it's kind of the last enemy to unite the world. You know, like an Independence Day when everybody's fighting and all the leaders are like, yeah. I'm going to come to your country and get you. Like, it's all, uh, you know, OK, we put our differences aside and kill this green bastard. Like, it's very... Um, <laughs> kind of consolidating power and it's the best way to be, wrap up a, a nice war you know okay. it's like uh, so we so we have a war at the moment threatening to escalate well, well this is the thing and, and the two lads are too you know whoever backs down then looks really weak so it's just like uh, I don't know it's like mammy and daddy having a fight and then <laughs> they try, they, you know they try to pawn it off on the kids when the kids do something like writing on the walls it's like that's it's a distraction piece but there's so many things going on now PJ in the world that uh, it will be a wonderful distraction yeah. from. Well, know? Serge Manasse uh, wrote Project this Blooming. in 1994. Yeah. And you've done a checklist. And he said we would see things in the sky like small chips, small ships. Yeah. Check. The which military seeing, will say they're now. UFOs and shoot them down. Check. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. next will be wreckage found. Next will be the announcement of proof of intelligent life. Next, they'll blame the aliens for the earthquakes and natural disasters. Yeah. Which are happening, yeah. Okay. So, so like this was this is like thirty-year-old uh, conspiracy that has been kind of uh, debunked. He said they were going to use Russian technology. These giant Russian computers were going to beam uh, messages into our minds directly. Now there is technology like that, like uh, electromagnetic bone conducting uh, voice, uh, you know, uh, uh, voice transmissions, where uh, you can stand away from somebody up to a couple of hundred feet and be able to kind of wirelessly transmit uh, 
um, through the. Through, did you ever see? You ever see those uh, Bluetooth earpieces for the yes. phones and they conduct yes. through the through, yes. the through your job ones? So it's that type of technology that they're just shooting this very high frequency at your head, and uh, you can hear a voice. It's called it the voice of God, you know. And um, so basically, Serge says like it's going to escalate in a, a, a kind of a propaganda um, to say, "Oh, aliens are here." And they're coming to get you, and we all have to. You have to give up your security, and we'll, we'll give up your freedom, and we'll grant you security. Like, and we'll make sure you know, uh, stay in your houses and don't come out and don't look up and all this kind of stuff. And the final part of it that is kind of probably the most unbelievable part is that there's a giant hologram going to be imprinted on the inside of the clouds, uh, like a giant head will appear in the sky. Oh God! And it will represent whatever religion the the, the people of whatever country believe in and it will tell them all like listen to your government <laughs> you're going you should all buy prize bonds like or whatever you know now, <laughs> and, now uh, I, I said earlier on Gordon that one of the theories that you I think have is that yeah. why are we fascinated with this balloon thing because they want us to be and that's sort yes. of what Manas was getting at and how on earth did you manage? Because I listened to another interview with you. How do you manage to tie Jeffrey Epstein into all of this? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. And uh, I know the preface of uh, kind of Ross coming on and, and mentioning a bunch of stuff kind of, you know, ate me dinner for me, uh, as it were. That's all conspiracy stuff that's considered now mainstream. But when I was talking about this stuff two and three and four and five years ago, like my show has gone for eight years. We got 50 million downloads globally. Um, you know, it's in the top 200 in the US charts all over the world. And uh, I'm not like finding stuff that's completely unbelievable. I'm finding stuff that's off the internet and I collate it into like an understandable, uh, palatable version, right? But when you drop in stuff like, you know, Flat Earth or Jeffrey Epstein, it kind of gets to that level where people can't actually swallow it. Like they're like, ah, oh, I can't. But it's not that I don't believe you, it's that I can't believe you. Mm. I can't believe that that's true. So Jeffrey Epstein, um, I mean, this week alone, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's court documents, numbering over 2,000 pages, have been released to the public. And on the internet, there's been like loads of different names bandied about. I won't say any of them because I don't know, you know yeah. what way defamation is going to go. They're big names. They're household names. Well, household names, yeah. And uh, uh, let's say... Everybody that has a computer probably has something to do with one of the lads. And, uh, you know, these kind of things. Like, there's there's people out there that are very famous and powerful, and uh, they're all included on these flight logs. Now, none of that says that they've committed any crimes, but there's kind of inferences online where they've done some nasty stuff, right? And all of that is not being examined at all by the mainstream media. And maybe up to, like, maybe even two years ago, like, you wouldn't have heard anything on the mainstream news about UFOs. It was always that story at the end where it's like, hey, look, it's a squirrel on skis. Anyway, here's Tom with the weather. Like, it's not a it's not a mainstream story. And now it's like wall to wall, morning till, morning till night, like military briefings and the White House press secretary coming out and going, calm down, lads, it's not aliens, relax. You'd have lost your it's press very, pass yeah. to the White House 10 years ago for a question like that. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 renowned bullshit, and now it's like mainstream on the news. So like, you have to wonder like, what is not being allowed to be talked about if they're allowed to talk about aliens, right? So that's kind of the place where I exist. When or that's what I mean when I talk about conspiracy. I'm not talking about like the queen is a lizard and she killed Princess Diana because she ran off a dodie elfoyed. Like you don't believe that one. That's probably true. 
that's what I say. It's probably true, but like to say that out loud sounds kind of goofy. Like <laughs> I know, but when know. you think about when you think about Jeffrey Epstein and all the stuff he did and all the people that are involved that are proven to be involved, yes. like people who have been photographed with him, who consorted with him on regular occasions, like. I get in trouble with PJ whenever I go to a dinner party and my partner when we go in just when we're about to ring the doorbell she pulls my elbow and goes now listen no talking about paedophiles tonight okay and I'm like okay and then 15 minutes later there's me and four other lads in the back kitchen going so anyway Jeffrey Epstein and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and Prince Andrew like it's all you know very salacious and extreme convo but there's stuff happening now this week that's that there's names being released on court documents and none of it's being reported there's Four train crashes in the last That's six right, days I saw that. across four states in the U.S. Arizona, um, Texas, North Carolina, and one of the worst ones is in Ohio, in a place called Palestine, Ohio, right? And a, 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 a train carrying chemicals that basically, when mixed with water, caught, uh, makes hydrochloric acid, which will burn your face off, right? And it just all got spilled onto the ground, and then the, the, the hazmat team that were supposed to dispose of it, I don't know, you get that stuff to sawdust. You used to throw on vomit in school, soak it all up, you know. And, yeah. But they didn't do that. They blew it up instead. Yeah. And, just like, and we're not looking. And I, when you put it out there, four four train crashes, four major train crashes in a week, and we're not. We're talking about things, uh, flight flying in the sky that we don't know what they are. It, it, uh, there's seven hours of this on that those conspiracy guys podcast uh, you'll get them wherever you find your podcast Spotify and all the other platforms seven hours of it or look at their website thoseconspiracyguys.com thank you Gordon as always leaves us with something to think about the minds are live Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. Reminder to you, Premier League Live is back this weekend on 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh and the team. Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sports. Live coverage this weekend of Aston Villa versus Arsenal. That's 12.30 Saturday. Notts Forest against Manchester City at 3. And Newcastle United take on Liverpool at 5.30. Premier League Live Online. Brought to you by Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Live Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Away from the Premier League, down in lowly. Uh, League 2 Very happy to see last night That my beloved Leighton Orient Are top of League 2 I know nobody cares Except me But there they are At the top of League 2 And poised for promotion Although knowing Leighton Orient They'll make a total mess of it And they'll end up Practically getting relegated But that's that's how it goes You remember the fun we had With them years ago Alright Listen Before I go and talk about rent Are you trying to get onto the property ladder are you in your 20s or 30s and your rent is so high that you just can't get on the property ladder you can't even dream of getting on the property ladder like rent has risen now by 75% on the open market despite every effort to keep it down it is still going up and rent is just utterly and completely crazy what can be done to sort it out yes it's easy to say we'll build more houses and we should build more houses and we need to build more and more houses is there any other way to do it come to that in just a tick but of all the politicians who should be dealing with that 
Let us take a look at where they're going for St. Patrick's Day. Like, there's all of them going. The Taoiseach is going to Washington, D.C. to visit Joe Biden. Okay, we'll allow that. Leo goes to Washington, D.C. as part of being Taoiseach. He meets Joe Biden. It's a very big, important meeting. We get to do it every St. Patrick's Day. We are the envy of the world as a small nation getting to meet the POTUS, whoever the POTUS happens to be, every St. Patrick's Day. So that's 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 a bite. That's going to happen anyway. Uh, Michal Martin is going to New York and to Boston. Eamon Ryan is going to China. That's a long cycle for Eamon. Isn't it? Michael McGrath is going to Chicago and Toronto. Pascal Donahue is going to Germany. Simon Coveney is going to Australia. Norma Foley is going to Philadelphia. Catherine Martin is on her bike too. She's going to Los Angeles. Dara O'Brien, the housing minister who should be here sorting out the rent crisis, he's going to Atlanta and Savannah, Georgia. Heather Humphreys is going to London. Charlie McConnell, the Minister for Agriculture, is going to New Zealand. Roderick O'Gorman, the Minister for Revenue, having yourself, is going to India. Simon or Stephen Donnelly is going to Canada. Simon Harris is going to San Francisco. Hildig, they're they're all all the, the long and long list right down right right down to Jerry Buttimer is going to Sierra Leone and Liberia. The Attorney General is going to Argentina and the Count Corla. There's a geek for everybody. It's a geek for everybody. It's a there's a trip away for everybody here. Shauna Farrell, the Count Corla. Is going off to Lebanon for St. Patrick's Day. Now, say what you will about these trips, and we're always told they bring us great benefit. But who's going to be left minded? The ship? Jesus, maybe maybe Mick Barry will get to make a T-shirt for a week. Good morning. Sounds like you'll be the only one <laughs> Good left. Morning. Good morning to you, PJ. There's the thought now, hey? <laughs> yeah, it would fill both of us with fear, I think. But Mick, like, to, to the rent situation, I would hate to be a young person in my 20s trying to get a foot onto the ladder. Absolutely. I mean, we have a generation of young people who've been locked out of the housing market. Uh, and the daft.ie report released on Monday uh, just underlines what we we really know uh, is that increasingly uh, those young people are being locked out of even the rental market. Uh, the average rents in Cork City... Uh, are now higher than the national average. Mm. Um, they overtook them uh, in the third quarter last year. Um, and if you multiply that figure of 1,700 per month rent by the 12 months of the year, you, just, you find out that uh, it costs well over €20,000 uh, to rent uh, an average property uh, over 12 months Mm. Uh, in the city now. That's a very hefty mortgage payment if you had it. Yeah, higher well, than most I mean, mortgages, Mick. People are caught in the catch-22 now where if, 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 if they could scrape together the bobs to buy a house, uh, the mortgage they would be paying would be significantly less than what they're being forced to shell out in dead money on rent uh, every month. And that's the catch-22 uh, that people have been forced into. More and more people are making the decision uh, to say, okay, um, stay at home uh, with parents. We don't have any choice. And we got some new information on this the other day as well um, because um, I questioned the Taoiseach and the Dolan yesterday, what is the average age uh, of a young person leaving the parental home for the first time? And it's now 28, apparently. Right. Let me let me just um, cast listeners' minds back to that because they might have missed it, Mick. Sit there for a second. I have the audio of your exchange 
in the doll yesterday. We we'll just just have a listen back to it. You, you, Mick raised this rental crisis in the doll yesterday. A daft.ie report published uh, yesterday shows that it is now way more than twenty thousand euro to rent for a year in Cork City. A generation that couldn't afford to buy their own homes now can't afford to rent. Ronan Lyons said after the publication of the report, among the worst affected cohorts are younger adults with the median adult age of leaving the parental home having grown by almost 50% in the last decade. In other words, since shortly after Fine Gael came to power, if the median average age was 18, it's now close to 27. If it was 20, it's now close to 30. So, Taoiseach, I conclude on this. Do you accept that your government has let down the under-30s very, very badly indeed on this issue? Um, Just in relation to the median age of people leaving home, I think I saw the report, and if I remember correctly, the median median age of people now leaving home is is 28, and it had been lower, and it has gone up. Uh, And, of course, the government accepts responsibility for... um, putting that right uh, and we're doing that through the help to buy scheme uh, through first home uh, and also by increasing supply uh, and, and as I said before about 70% of people just under 70% of people in Ireland uh, own their own home um, but that's not the reality for people uh, who are uh, in their mid-20s and mid-30s uh, and we need to change that uh, and that's um, at the heart of the government's housing policy uh, is to increase home ownership again uh, we don't believe in the rent for life models that other people uh, believe in and we want to see home home ownership uh, increase Um, but for those who are renting we want to make sure that they have secure tenancies uh, and affordable rents too. Now on the age Mick I was I was 28 actually I was 29 when I left home so that that age doesn't particularly strike me as strange but why is it so important in your view? Well, I like the way he said that, uh, you know, it was lower and it's gone up as though it was maybe an average of 26 or 27 and it's nudged up to 28. What the Daft.ie report is telling us is that 10 years ago, the average age of leaving the family home was maybe 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's it's shot up to uh, uh, 28. You wouldn't have got that impression from well, I, uh, I was 29. Uh, like, I'm, wond- I'm wondering why that's a big thing, Mick. Well, I mean, if someone wants to stay at home until they're 29 and their parents are happy for them to stay at home till they're 29, I suppose that's well and good. But mm. I think there would My be... My wife was 25. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there would be um, a hell of a lot of people uh, who would like to um, leave the family home uh, and live independently uh, before the age of 28 or before the age of uh, 25. I mean, it's mm. it's part and parcel of right. yeah. being an adult, of being an independent person yeah. uh, in the world. My daughter was uh, gone since she was 22, so I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, uh, I think that it, it, it is not a good thing um, that people who are in their late 20s and early 30s are being forced to stay at home with their parents because they have no alternative. Mm. I've no issue with people if they're happy to do that. Mm. But I think the majority of young people, if they wanted to spread their wings, get out there and live independently uh, with their own key and their own rent money and their own roof over their head, would say, yeah, that's an important part of 
of being young and of, of, of growing up and, and being an adult in the world. So when they're all gone to the four corners of the world for St. Patrick's Day and when you're Taoiseach for three days, what would you do? Well, what I would do immediately uh, in Cork is I would say that there are 300 council properties uh, that are vacant. Yes. Uh, and I accept that there would be a small number of them that are wrecked and would take years uh, to turn around. But the vast majority of them could be turned around within a matter of months, if not a matter of weeks, if the investment was put into it. I also would pick up on the figure that's been raised by Frank O'Connor and Jude Cherry. Yes. That, um, you know, with their walking tours, they have pinpointed 700 derelict buildings. Mm. Uh, within two square kilometres uh, of Cork City Centre. Didn't I see, though, uh, and read about quite a well, generous, I suppose, quite a, a start anyway, a grant scheme to take over a property like that and, and make it livable. So there's a start being made. Mm, I, I, I wonder. The, the Central Statistics Office tells us that as of last year, there was 166,000 vacant properties uh, in the state, not counting holiday homes, but that nearly 50,000 of them had been vacant when the last census had taken place, which was six years previously. And 25,000 of them had been vacant during the previous census, which was 10 or 11 years previously. So there there is a track record and a history here of buildings and houses being left vacant for a long, long time in the middle of the greatest housing crisis in the history of the state. And the record of this government in tackling that has been really, really poor. Well, I guess people have private... The, the other side of it, make is people have the rights to own private property. If I own a couple of properties... Now, the rights and wrongs of this you can discuss, but if I own a couple of properties and I decide to leave one empty until the damn thing falls down in a pile of dust and rubble, that's my right... You've got to change the Constitution to change that. Yeah, and we might get a chance to change the Constitution. Um, there is a recommendation being made uh, to the Housing Minister from the Housing Commission about the potential wording for a, a change in the a Constitution to provide for a right to housing. Now, some people misinterpret that and think that if there was a constitutional right to housing, it would mean you'd be able to go into court the day afterwards and say, the state has to house me within six months. That's not the case, unfortunately. That's not the case. But what it does do is it gives greater weight to the sections of the, of the constitution, which say that the public good must be taken into account when the state makes its decisions, mm. as opposed to... Well, would you pro- like to see a state or a situation within the state that, again, let's give me my mythical two properties that are sitting there doing nothing. Would you like, and I've paid for them, and I pay my taxes and all that, would you like to see a state where they can be taken from me? Okay, so I'll take two examples. If you were um, a millionaire, PJ, and you were a property speculator, and you were deliberately leaving uh, land that you own that is being zoned for housing, or a building that you have... But I'm not, Mick. I'm me. Housing. I'm me. Let, 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 let's come. I'm, I'm just me, and I've made some investments over the years, and I've got a couple of small properties, and I'm letting them there to do with 
as I please. Let's not deal with millionaires. Would you take them from me? Okay. So what I would say is that if you are leaving that property vacant because uh, you think you'll get a better price for it in a year or two's time, that you're, in other words, that you're speculating during a housing crisis, right? I would say, no, you don't have an absolute right uh, to, to do what you will with that property. So you now, take my property that I paid for and take it off I didn't say that I would take it, right? There, there would be a number of options that the state would have in a situation like that. So let's have a look at what the options might be. One would be that uh, you would have to pay a vacant property tax, which instead of being the minimal rate that it is at the moment, would be significantly higher and which would be a push factor into you saying, okay, I'm going to rent the property. That's one option. A second option might be to say that the state would... um, operate a compulsory rental situation here, that you use it or you lose it, and you're being asked now, you have to rent it out. And the third option would be a compulsory purchase, where the state would pay you market value uh, and uh, buy the property, and you wouldn't have much much, uh, choice in the matter. Now, if it was you, PJ Coogan, uh, a worker in a radio station who, who may, maybe come into a few bob or whatever, uh, I think I would go for the lower of those options. If you were the millionaire property speculator that we were talking about earlier, who had a rake of these properties and was keeping them idle because you got, you reckon you're going to make more money down the road, I would have no problem with compulsory purchase and mm-hmm. even compulsory purchase at, 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 at quite a low, a low rate in relation to that. Look, we, we've got the biggest housing emergency in the history of the state. Mm. It can't be carry on as normal. There needs to be emergency measures taken and there's no room for speculation and profiteering in this situation. Okay, Someone's on the phone here, Mick, with a question uh, who says, what do you say to people who buy their own homes, manage their money and have no issue with government policy? Not talking about people who are living in genuine poverty. I firmly believe they should be given social housing to help them through their rough patch, however long it lasts. But there are people who have just changed their lifestyle, left home later, saved up hard, and they're getting on with it. They're no, no, no longer happy to sit in a bed sit. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm, I, I would be behind people like that. And I would be supportive of people like that. In fact, people like that are going to get a squeeze now, and the squeeze isn't coming uh, from you know the left or from socialists, the squeeze is going to come from big business and the banks, uh, who are going to be ra- raising the mortgages mm. by a quarter percent, a half percent, one percent. I mean, people are going to have to be shelling out thousands of euro extra on the mortgage. Oh, over listen, the I've already been onto my mortgage provider to lock me down for three years. I know what you're talking about. I do. Someone it's was gonna, talking. It's recently- going to make. It's going to make what we've seen with the prices of food and gas and oil and electricity. Yeah. Look like a tea party yeah. in comparison. Someone was talking during the week, Mick, lastly, about maybe bringing back tax relief on the interest. And I read a piece in one of the papers yesterday which said actually that would make things worse rather than better. Where would you stand on that? Tax relief on which interest? On mortgage interest. No, uh, tax relief on mortgage interest would be, would be a step forward. Um, but what would be a, a better step forward 
is to say that um, the banking system uh, is not operating on a for-profit model, but is operating on a model of prioritizing the needs of people in society, which would mean that if the European Central Bank uh, hikes the interest rates, the Irish state-owned banks would have the option of saying, well, we're not going to pass on the hikes and we will take the hit uh, by getting funding from elsewhere. And the funding from elsewhere has to be, and I know I keep returning to this issue, but I make no apology for it, the idea of real wealth taxes within the society. I mean, for God's sake, PJ, Oxfam was telling us there mm. a couple of weeks ago that you now have two individuals, two billionaires in Irish society oh, yeah. who, between them, they, they have more wealth between the two of them oh, yeah. than the poorest 50% oh, yeah. that, look, that's an old, I think it's an argument that, that you'll, you won't get much pushback on it from people who think that the, the super rich should be paying a bit more. I, I think that, that's, that's true. You're well, not going to get pushback on it from, uh, from Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin and Michael McGrath and Simon Coveney and the doll because Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael won't even countenance it. And it's another reason why we need to to, to change the government in this country, but that's another discussion, I suppose. It, maybe it is. Mick, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Mick Berry, Socialist Party of Solidarity TD for Cork North Central, who has many radical ideas. Uh, and would they, would they work? Will he ever be in a position to implement them? Who knows? 0818 96 96 96. There's so many empty council houses that are just not being turned over fast enough. There's around 15 in Mayfield. I've been watching them empty for over six months. It's very disheartening to seeing them empty when there's so many people looking for homes. I can't afford rent, even with HAP, since they've gone up, and I'm a single person. There's no one, there's no one-bedroom houses either. Now, there's a thing. There are no one-bedroom places for single people. There are no small houses for single people or little two-bedroom places for just small families. That's true. 0818 96 96 96. You guys ready? We're jiving, we're jiving. The Big Drive Home. Weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96 FM. More chances for you to see Jeremy Kennedy live in Las Vegas coming up on the show this week. We want to sort your flights, your spending money and five nights in Sin City to see one of Ireland's biggest artists. And remember, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But if something like this happens to you... There is a tiger in the bathroom! There's a jungle cat in the bathroom! I'm gonna need details. Listen in to win every weekday from 4. The Big Drive Home. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. John says his crowd, speaking of Mick Barry, his crowd will never get into power. If they did, the country would be ruined with all the foreign investment gone. It's a thought, John. And so are some of Mick's thoughts about taxing certain individuals and certain companies until they practically bleed. That's that's what Mick would do. You kind of wonder, have we run out of ideas in this country? Or are there any fresh ideas that might actually work? But but thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Now there's something happening up at Mount Oval with a new school, a new long-awaited school, it should be said, in the area. And a school that people are delighted to have, absolutely thrilled to have. But with the arrival of that school has brought a horrible danger for young kids. 
and I've seen the video, John Collier. I know the area. It's my neighbourhood. And I wouldn't have any child walking that way to school of a morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on the show. Tell me what's happening up around Mount Hope for people who don't know the geography or know the school. So, basically, the school traditionally was here in Gary Dough um, for the last number of years. And finally, we got a permanent premises over on Cars Hill, which is on the way to Carrigaline, basically, going out of Douglas. This is the Douglas Rochestown Educate Together. It's the Douglas Rochestown Educate Together. And it's a fantastic school. Our kids love being in the new premises. But for a number of residents around Mount Oval and Fort Hill and parts of Broaddale, um, when we applied for the school bus, which we were told by Norma Foley last October we would get, we found that we were ineligible to get it because they apply a traversable route to deciding who gets the bus or not. In other words, can it be when walked we, or driven, correct? Exactly. So it can be walked or driven um, or by any other means of transport. Um, this traversable route goes down a one-way system in the wrong direction, out of Mount Oval onto the National N28 Road, which is soon to be a motorway. It then, you have to walk up along that, that road for about a kilometre and a half until you reach the slip road, which goes down from Carrigaline down into Douglas, and then basically cross three lanes of traffic, which is a 100 kilometre speed limit, and then down this narrow road with absolutely no footpaths. Is there no other way around, John? I'm just thinking again, and apologies to listeners who don't know the geography, but I do. You can come out of Mount Oval, go up towards Gary Duff, and walk all the way around without having to cross that road. You can. um, That route is 5.2 kilometres from my house. So in order to get the bus, you need to be above 3.2 kilometres. So... That, to me, would be the most logical traversable route to take because mm. it's it, it's safe and you can drive it or cycle it or walk it or anything. But they have applied this system in Bus Aaron, which is dictated to them by the Department of Education. And this traversable route quite clearly isn't, isn't traversable so in any way whatsoever. They've drawn a straight line, as it were, from Mount Oval to the school. And they've said, yes, you can go that way, that way, and that way, so we're not giving you a bus route. But they did they forget, or do they just not care that there's a motorway in the middle of this? We we haven't had a response formally back from Busseron in relation to this, apart from this is the traversable route, and this is the route that we are applying. Um, we have asked on numerous occasions, I, I have been in contact by email with them weekly, since the 23rd of January, and I haven't had a formal response back yet. Um, to, now, we've heard on the grapevine that they have been looking at it, but they haven't come back to any parent in relation to it whatsoever in uh, nearly a month now. Yeah, because like you say, the bus route would be completely logical. Go down the back of Mount Oval there to the old entrance, as it were, get the bus there, up through Gary Dove, down the road and around to the new school. But they... Exactly. Instead, like at, at, are sorry, coming at down. The moment, they're coming down an access route that's one way for traffic, the other way. Correct. Yep. Having yes, to correct. cross a very, very, very busy road. Yeah, three lanes of traffic. Three lanes of traffic. Small children at rush hour, 
and up another route with traffic coming down. That's crazy. Yeah, no, it is. And logically, it's not a traversable route. So the only traversable route in our mind is, as you say, up through Carry Duff, down Maryborough Hill and across through Maryborough Woods. Now, if you had a pedestrian bridge across the road, then you'd be talking, but you don't. No, no. You you are literally, and you can't drive it because you can't legally turn left onto the N28 at the bottom of Mount Oval. I forgot that. Or you that can't bit. legally turn right at, um, halfway up along the N28 to turn down the slip road from Carsale down to Douglas. forgot that bit. So yeah. it's not a legal route in any way whatsoever. So how did it get passed as a traversable way to school, John? That's what we're trying to understand at the moment. We, I, I've asked, how does this system, they have a computerized system that determines the traversable route. Um, it has chosen this route for us and for Fortail and for Broaddale. But for Foxwood, which is right beside us, it goes up Gary Duff Hill, down Maryborough Hill, and across through Maryborough Woods. So it, it it's illogical the way this system works. Um, we've been trying to find and understand how it, it works, assuming initially it was a glitch in their computer system. But the only response we're getting back currently from Bus Air is, no, this is the traversable route, and therefore you're not eligible for it, it does look very much like... And again, I speak with the advantage of knowing the area well. It does look like they put it into a computer, how do you get from A to B? And the computer threw this up. But sure, if you put it into Google Maps or put into your sat-nav and try to drive it, it doesn't send you that it'll route. tell you to turn back. Exactly, exactly. Um, so all what we want is A, for Busseron to engage with us, Um Again, we, we hear from politicians saying, oh, we'll talk to the school about this. In my opinion, as a parent, we apply to bus Aaron for a bus ticket. It doesn't involve the school. Alan is a fantastic principal, but he has so much on his shoulders at this moment in time. And she doesn't need another stress Great on fella. him as well. Great fella, know him well. He is. He's a fantastic, fantastic principal, and all of the school staff are absolutely amazing. So... Since we are the people that apply for a bus ticket, we should be the people that Bus Erin or the Department of Education get back to yeah. and not be putting this on top of Alan as well. Is it not the national transport? Because we know that the Bus Erin can't scratch its arse without the approval of the National Transport Authority. Have you tried knocking on their door? Uh, I have emailed them. I haven't had any response from them. And from me. talking to some other people, it has nothing got to do with them. It's purely whatever computer system that the Department of Education has dictated that bus airing use. That's that's what this decision is based on. Um, so it's a policy issue, right. I think, that the Department of Education need to resolve fairly quickly. You're trying to push this up the line politically, I know. I am, and I'm, to be honest, I'm very frustrated, and that's why I put up the video, because we have three of the top politicians in this country from this constituency. That's right. And all what I'm getting back is generic responses. Oh, we will look into your query and get back to you. The only person that t- was able to do anything was Danik O'Leary when he raised it with Norma Foley. And what did she last say? Last week. She denied knowing anything about it. So 
again, she, now she said it seems ridiculous, but she'll have her team look into it. But if we have three politicians in this area who have a direct line with the Minister of Education, if they hadn't have raised that issue with her prior to that meeting last Thursday, I'm yeah. questioning, are these the right people to represent but, us? Moreover, John, three politicians who, and here's the thing, three politicians who in less than a year and a half's time will have to canvas your very houses to try and get their yep. jobs back. Yep, exactly. And like maybe they feel too safe and comfortable in, in their current positions that, that they'll feel they'll get through anyway. And this is not a political issue. This is a school bus issue. Well, well um, no, it's a political issue in that the people that you pay and who trouser handsome salaries to call themselves a public representative... They need to sort this out before, and I say this, and again, speaking with the advantage of knowing the area, before there's a horrible accident at half eight in the morning. Yep, yeah, like some parents, I have the petition up online, and hopefully you can share that on on your webpage for people to go and and sign. But comments such as, you'd need an ambulance on the road every single morning, because there's no way a child, and my daughter is nine, so there's no way a nine-year-old could cross that main road safely in the morning or walk down the slip road from Cars Hill down to the school without getting hit by a car. Yeah, My wife loves to walk the dogs of an evening. Loves it. And there is absolutely no way in the wide earthly world she'd go anywhere near those slip roads or anywhere near those roads with the dogs. It's lethally dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, um... It's just an issue. We need it resolved quickly. There are a number of parents here in Mount Oval who don't drive. So they're relying on carpooling and other people helping them out as much as possible. We have a 216 bus route, which is there. Yes. That stops, though, in Maryborough Woods. And then you have a very narrow pathway from Maryborough Woods up to the school. Um, which isn't ideal either. So as a parent, I no, would but not it would, let my daughter walk It, it would be a shorter road. walk, wouldn't it? It would be a and a safer walk. walk. It it's like yeah, it'd be safer than certainly going up the M twenty eight. But I still would not allow my nine year old to walk that pathway true, true. on our way on our own up to that's, the school. That's so very true. true. I, as a parent, I would still have to take an hour out of my morning to bring her over in the bus to walk her up to the school and then back to work again. Well, well John, the phones are, are starting to ring and we're getting messages in. Um, Eileen and Anna have both been on. Hi, I have three kids attending the Douglas Rochestown Educate together. Dretons, as it's known locally. Uh, me and my husband are working and finding this the collections very difficult. Both here and calculate our route incorrectly. The new school is amazing. We've waited so long for it. It's a green school, so you'd think buses would have been a priority. We feel badly let down by Bus Aaron and by our TDs. And Anna says, that's from Eileen, and Anna says it's heartbreaking as a mum to drop your kids off and feel that they're in danger. This has to get sorted, John. It does, massively. So I would urge our local politicians to please do something about us to help us out. And please come back to us even if it's a case um, we can't do it till September. I'm happy to hear that once we just know this issue is being discussed and being resolved. Okay. All right. Thank you, John. That's an ongoing campaign in that general area. And Mount Oval is an enormous estate. Like, there's nearly a thousand houses in Mount Oval, and there's hundreds of children. And I know how long they campaigned to get that permanent base 
for the Drettons. And I know Alan Sheehan, who is the principal there, he taught my boy in primary school. He's a wonderful guy, running a fantastic school, brilliant service. And to think that you can't get a school bus because there's a traversable route across a flipping main road that if you listen to Wayne in the plane is either gridlocked or flying like a Formula One track every morning at 8 o'clock. That's incredibly stupid that people are left in that situation and dangerous. Got some videos earlier this morning of activity, intense activity in Turkey. People filling trucks with boxes of aid and bedding and clothes and food and all sorts of things to get into the earthquake disaster zone. The death toll is just continuing to climb. Most of the rescue services now are telling us it's just recovery now rather than rescue. It's terribly cold by night. We know the effort that went into getting lots of clothes out of Cork last week. Uh, Dave O'Connor is a businessman who does a lot of business and has a lot of connections in that part of the world. And Dave, you actually got up and went over to see what you could do. And you're there now. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you this morning? I'm very well, sir. Um, very good. So basically is that... Um I have a lot of friends in Turkey from the fashion business over 40 years ago in London. And um, I came over on Monday and travelled down to um, Hatay on Monday night, which was a 10-hour drive, you know. And I was sitting at home in front of the television and, you know, I was very, very upset. So I just thought to myself, what can I do to help out these people, these great people? And um, I drove down with uh, a friend of mine down to Hatay and... um, Basically, is that, um, you know, we provided uh, from our own resources, we provided some clothing and, you know, warm jackets and bedding, which which, which I organised over the last two days. And um, I rang, rang around a couple of friends of mine from Cork Business People, and the support has been absolutely tremendous. And the people out here are very aware of the great Irish support that they've got from Cork, from all over the country. You know, through the embassy in Dublin with clothes and donations and everything, and they're blown away by the generosity of the mm. Irish people. You and, managed to uh, fill at least one you know, truck, have you, Dave? We did, yeah. We filled, we filled um, one forty-foot container, you know, and um, you know, and the people that I work out here, they're a college. They're it's called the Hus- the Hosier College, and uh, they're feeding roughly about ten thousand people a day out there. At in in Hatay, you know, mm-hmm. so the, the the work is, you know, it's um, it's unbelievable, sad, but you know, then when some person is found, it's a celebration, yeah. and um, and is that still happening? Just, uh, it is, yeah, it's happening. All right, just people being found every day, you know. Mm. You you went there and the you stood, you stood and you looked at it, Dave. And you were telling me this. You stood and you looked at it. Yes. Describe for me what That's, you saw. What I saw was devastation. I mean, there's 215,000 buildings after being basically knocked and falling apart, you know. And um, there's, like, you know, it, there's millions of people dislodged from their housing, you know, from their homes, you know. Yeah. And there's 13.5 million people affected. And what I saw was, as well as, you know, a sense of kindness, a sense of great humanity. You know, I found great peace out there amongst the people. And, you know, people willing to help from all parts of the world. And, you know, it's, 
it's 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 a massive tragedy but you know there's the support is incredible, like you yeah. know, and the kindness out there. You were saying to me, you made you made a few phone calls when you realised the extent of, of I, what was in front I of you. Did, you made yeah, a few phone I calls. A couple, I did. I made a couple. You know, I was kind of hesitant at the start, and then I made a couple of phone calls, and like I rang Derek McCarthy from McCarthy Meets, and he made a great donation. Paul Montgomery, Clancy's, Peter Collins from Barry's Pub in Douglas, Fred Sorensen there from Total Imports, you know, and uh, Kieran and Claire Collin who were out skiing. From Linsen Developments, James O'Connor from Clark Cost Plus Tyres, and Keith Hanley of Hanley's Garden Centre, and of course John McCahey from the First Walk Tavern, a great man for you know. You just rang them up and said, "I'm out here. What can you do?" And they said, "I'm out here," and they made they transferred the money straight away. You know, wow. So that let me then go away and buy some product at the right price, the proper stuff, and get it up there. Mm. To, the, to, to the scene and you know because you know the area through working in the fashion for as long as you have done and the clothing game yeah. for as long as you have done you know mm. what's needed and you know where to get it and you know how to cut a deal you devil you <laughs> correct exactly so basically is that like you know we got a fantastic deal on the products you know and you know we deliver it then with a local guy here a friend of ours and one of the lads there from the college um, the college actually drove up in the container. So we delivered it right to the source, which is fantastic and so uplifting as well, you know? All right. And you sent some videos. And, with, uh, your, with your permission, I'll share them. Oh, yeah. Do, yeah. And there's a gentleman here next to me who's in, involved in the, um, in the college and does tremendous work. Oh, he just want to say he's a... I met him in London over 40 years ago in the fashion business. I just want to say thank you to the people of Cork and the people of Vernon for all their great help, you know? By the way, we've got about 30 His seconds. Raquel. 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 <clears throat> Just uh, hi, this is Rachel. Uh, thank you for David first, and thank you for uh, generous Irish people. Uh, thank you for everyone helping. Uh, this is uh, quite bigger disasters uh, in the country. Yes. Uh, many people, many people affected. Thank you for everything. Thank okay. you very much. And and you're welcome, Raquel. Dave, I won't come back to you online because we're going to run very short of time. But thank you for that. Stay safe out there, my friend and get back home safely as soon as you can. That's Dave O'Connor, businessman Dave O'Connor from, of course, Suits Distributors, out there doing the business on the ground in Turkey. Uh, thank you for that. 0818 96 96 I think that's as far as we can... It is. Oh, that ring. Do you know what? I'll do it tomorrow. I meant to do it. The ring that someone found in December 2012 in Duns and Ballincollig. I don't have time to go through the details again. I promise I'll do that tomorrow. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Question 10. You're on nine out of 10, by the way, so far. Oh, God. Who married Rita Ora last week? You said, Taika. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, but the correct answer is Taika. What? You Sarah O'Shea. Oh, you cute old Livia. Oh, an engagement ring worth the money. Stacking oh. up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7:40 and 8:40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Corks 96 FM. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.